continuing with our series on Proverbs, practical life skills, Christian, Christian values put into action in our everyday lives. And today we're going to be talking about healing the crushed spirit. It sounds like such a dramatic term, the crushed spirit, but that's what Proverbs calls it, a crushed spirit. You get the picture, you know, it's that grape that you just, under your foot, you know, you, those, those moments when, when life just does a COVID on you or something, you know, it just, just life is tough and, and stuff happens and we, tr we trust in God to, to go from a squash, squashed grape to a full plump grape in our spirit men, in our, in our hearts, in our souls today. So Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would come and bless us this morning. I pray that, that Father God, more than hearing my words, people would hear your words, Lord God. I'm praying, Lord God, that the spirit of the living God would touch every heart, Lord God. I'm praying for those places in people's hearts that are dry, desolate, hopeless, Lord God. Those places that have been disappointed, that have been damaged, Lord God, I'm asking that today that they would come alive again. As we sang that song about rattle, Lord God, and dry bones coming to life again, let today be that morning, Lord, when, the, when those places come alive, that the stone is rolled away, that the resurrection life of Jesus is, is manifested in every place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. So one thing I, I was feeling as I was preparing this message is that while I'm sharing it, I, I really feel like God said he would begin a, a work of healing in people's hearts. I feel like there is even some people that have physical issues in their bodies, that the root is the stress and the, the heartache that you've been going through of late. And I feel like God is going to heal you as you are listening to this online or outside or in the hall, but that God is going to do something significant, not only in your spirit man but in your body also so please trust with me if that's you just can you orientate your faith towards that and say God as I listen to your truth would you would you touch me in a way that transforms not only my soul but my body also yes. amen and amen. So, some years back, Andrew and I did a cruise, and we one of the parts of the cruise is we stopped at Maputo, and we we, we went around and and you know explored the city a little bit. And w at one stage, we went to this particular fort up on a hill that overlooked the harbour, and. Oh my gosh, the view was absolutely magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Um, the stone buildings that were around us, you know, the, those old stone buildings, just something really ma majestic about them. But at this particular fort, the gates had not been locked for a long time and the walls hadn't been taken care of. So, so people had just come in and out of this, this fort. Obviously, homeless people had been sleeping in corners. There was graffiti all over the place. Any movable object was removed. And, you know, some of the corners smelled strangely of urine. You know, I didn't go into those corners, we stayed away. But, you know, a beautiful, magnificent place had been ravaged by not being cared for. The walls had been not, not maintained, and so anything could come and go. And as a result, something that was meant to be magnificent, majestic, lovely, turned into a dismal and, and somewhat depressing place. And in addition, because of the, the kind of vagabonds and maybe people with not such good motives that were staying there, it was actually exporting evil or badness, I don't know if evil might be a strong word, but it was exporting decay into the environment around us. 
around it. And, and you know, as I was preparing this message and, and reading through the Proverbs that we're going to look at, I realized that this, this is somehow like the human heart, that the Bible describes, describes the human heart in two ways, that it can be like a city, that the wall is er erected and everything's maintained and your heart is governed and what comes in and what goes out is regulated and it's, it's healthy and it's whole and it's taken care of. On the other side, you know, there, there can be things that have happened to us, you know, devastations that have kind of knocked down the walls, that have, have made, it, made it less than protected, and things have come in, things have been said, things have been done. And as a result, your, your heart is not really well taken care of. It, it's been stolen from. Thoughts have come in and thoughts have gone out that haven't, haven't been like they should have. And, you, and your heart is almost like a city or a fort with its walls broken down. We've all had times when, when we've experienced you know, the good part, where we're healthy, we're strong, we, we're encouraged, we can face life with vigor and passion, where the words coming out of our mouth are good and wholesome and whole, and our actions reflect that. But we've all experienced times when it's been the opposite. When, when you know, Thoughts are washing in and out of our mind that are unsavory, angry, disappointed. We've all experienced those times where we, we have been disappointed by life, where things have happened to us that have smashed against those walls and devastated our hearts. And obviously, obviously God wants to bring us to the place where, where our hearts are whole again where things are right and true. And I wanna, I wanna talk about three ways that we, we partner with the Holy Spirit to bring our hearts back from that devastated place to that whole place. And we're gonna put our Holy Spirit cap on, if that's okay. We are going to cultivate joy, awaken friendship, and partner purposefully. We are going to cultivate joy, awaken friendship, and partner purposefully. For those of you who have done our inner healing training, I'm going to have to start with a caveat. Because you learned there, um, as the New Testament very proudly proclaims, that human beings consist of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit is that part that communes with God and makes you an eternal being. The, your soul is your personality, your will, the thing, the essence that makes you uniquely you. And your body is obviously your body. You know, the thing that didn't want to go for a run this morning. That, that, that is your body. However, the, new the Old Testament, excuse me, describes things a bit differently. They, they didn't distinguish between the soul and the spirit man. So whenever the Old Testament talks about spirit or soul or heart, it kind of just means the same thing. So because we're in the Old Testament, we're in the book of Proverbs, that's, that's the context that we're looking at. So although it talks about a crushed spirit, in essence, in New Test Testament language, it's talking about your heart, your soul, your, and your spirit, that, that part that communes with God, that part that is the essence of who you are, your emotional makeup, your, your will, your drive, your passions, all of that put together. And we all know when that part of you is, is hammered by your environment, that, 
that your connection with God kind of gets a little bit vague or it, 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 it battles a little bit. Your connection with people battles a bit. And so we go, we're going to talk about cultivating joy, awakening friendship, and partnering purposefully. So, cultivating joy. <laughs> we did that in worship today. Did you feel that joy rise up in your heart? Cultivating joy. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. You can go to the next slide. Thank you. Cultivating joy. Oh, no, don't. Sorry, the next. Yes, my friends. Sorry, we're going to go back one. We need scripture first because we're preaching the Bible. These are the Proverbs that I'm looking at that talk about this particular um, environment and you will see the the city and the walls analogy strongly coming through we're looking at proverbs 13 12 15 4 16 32 17 22 18 14 and 25 28 did you get that well done hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life a gentle tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Help it to penetrate our hearts and change us. Lord God, as, as we heard earlier, may, it, may we, we be transformed by what we hear today. Thank you, Lord. So, cultivating joy. Paul and Silas, Acts 16, you can read the story. Paul and Silas are going about their business, healing people, delivering their press, preaching the gospel, uh, young fortune teller girl is following them and tormenting them by saying the right thing in the wrong spirit she's telling hear them these are the men sent from God and and they're getting f really irritated and finally they turn around and they cast the demon out of her and she can no longer tell the future her master the, the terrible thing is that she had a master you understand that's not this normal state of humanity we're not meant to have masters except for Jesus but she um, her master gets really angry and uh, then through a series of events has Paul and Silas thrown into prison because he's losing money now this is not just I mean I don't know what South African prisons are like but whatever they are like this is worse you know, there were, no, there were no equality laws in those days. There was no human rights for anyone. And it says that they were thrown into the inner prison and their feet were put in stocks. Picture this. It's pitch black. It's midnight. You're in the inner, you're the inner, inner prison. So there's not even light coming through anywhere, even if there was moonlight out there. It's midnight. I mean, people, no one cleans those prisons. I mean, there's the smell... I don't know why the smell of urine is coming a lot, a big theme going through. But imagine, I mean, it's, it's just smelly, it's dirty, you can't see a thing. Things are crawling over your legs, you can't move, you can't do anything. I mean, yeah, you get the picture, it's horrible. It's horrible. You have no idea when you're going to get out. There's no, like, courts and law, and you don't have, like, a, a state-appointed lawyer that's going to come and visit you in the next morning. You have no idea where you're going to be and what's going to happen to you. You're there, it's 
dark, miserable cult. What do you do? Don't answer out loud. The majority of us would be complaining, would be angry, would be thinking bad thoughts about the person who got us locked up here in the first place. I mean, we would be having, having just all the moaning, venting moments, all kind of just nicely packaged in one, in one time. It says Paul and Silas did something totally different. They began to pray and worship. Can you imagine you're in this place and you hear in the distance the sound of someone worshiping God and singing and lifting up his praises. And then you hear another sound. And it's the sound not of dry bones rattling. It's the sound of walls rattling, of gates rattling, of, of bars just bursting open, of your stocks just coming off and, and you know, doors fly open and people are like, wow, what is this? Light floods in. It's just everything changes. And it's so tempting to take the story as a metaphor. It would be so tempting for me to say this to you. As you worship God in your dark places, your soul will be set free. Bonds will break. And that's so true. But that's not what the story says. It's not a metaphor. They were in a prison and literally bonds were breaking, doors were opening, walls were shaking. Why? Because in that moment, in the worst possible moment, they were cultivating joy. They were finding Jesus. They were worshiping him. And you see, there's a way in which the atmosphere of your soul pushes into the atmosphere around you and makes a difference, pushes back darkness. And there's a way in which when you cultivate joy in your heart, when you refuse to make the circumstances the determiner of the atmosphere of your heart, when you refuse to do that and you choose to make the truth of Jesus Christ the atmosphere of your heart, it pushes into your environment and changes things. A much smaller example, but when I was 16, I had pimples. I know, I know. You did too. We all did. Some of you still do. But I remember standing in front of the mirror and being, you know, you know how that depressed you. Do you remember the depression? And I remember standing in front of the mirror and I said this, God, if you're real, take away my pimples. And I started just worshiping God and, and lifting up his name. And you know, it's like, I mean, they didn't just burst out of you. We just think of it bursting. That's just a horrible analogy and a horrible thought. But there was, but, but there's something of the faith in Jesus Christ and the goodness of him rose up in my heart. And you know, within a week or so, I had no more pimples and I never had any more. I mean, not, 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 not those pimples, you know. And, and it got me to thinking how there's, there's an environment in your soul that pushes into the physical environment of your body. It pushes into the environment of your surroundings and it changes things. We're obsessed with the idea that circumstances determine happiness, but the Bible says that how we process our circumstances determines happiness. You know, there's another thing that the Bible says the Bible constantly links joy to God's presence. Constantly links joy. 
And you know, it becomes so cliched when people say, find joy in God. You know, I, I don't know, when you're going through a hard time and, and you're really depressed and someone says, find joy in God, what does it do for you? You just want to slap them. You know, you know what I'm saying? But the Bible is so consistently true with this message. It never relents with this message. And so at some stage, we've got to take it seriously. At some stage, we've got to start believing that that's true. That we can have unlimited joy. Absolute, absolute happiness. Contentment, life in the presence of God. And the presence of God cannot be taken from us any time. Nothing can stop that. So at some stage, we are going to need to look at these scriptures. Paul, that same guy who sat in that prison, said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, in all our, our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Psalm 16, verse 11, one of my all-time favorite psalms. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore, it says. It goes even, makes it even more graphic. Every pleasure you've ever imagined, right there with God. You know, Paul, when, when he was writing to the churches, interestingly enough, who were going through heavy persecution, he didn't write to them and say, or write to them and say, I'm praying for you that all these hardships would be removed. There's no recollection of him ever saying that that was what he was praying. But he did pray these things, that they would be strengthened with power in your inner being, that they would have strength to know the extent of God's love, that they would know his hope, his inheritance, his power. Do you see what he was doing? He was saying your circumstances don't determine your joy. I can pray for a change of circumstance and you can still be as miserable as ever. That's right. That there's a place, there's a place where finding God and actually believing the Bible's, the Bible's instruction that God is the source of all joy. Actually believing that, pressing into that, making God our first love, making him the, the true meter of all our desires. When we do that, joy starts bubbling up in the insides. It starts pushing back the darkness. It presses into the circumstances. And the circumstances have no choice but to submit to the glory and life of God that's radiating in your words, in your actions, in your lifestyle, in, in just your, the atmosphere that is around you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We flourish when God's first. We cultivate is one of the greatest healing balms that will ever come to your soul or your heart. It's one of the things we run away from the quickest when we're feeling, when we're feeling down, depressed, passionless, hopeless. We tend to isolate ourselves, but it's actually the last thing that we should do. You see, relationships eat rules for breakfast. What I mean by that is, if we can go back one, thank you.
You'll do for relationship what you'll never do for rules. You know, one of the, the greatest motivations I have found for change was when I noticed how my angry tone, face, facial expression, and body language affected my children. When I noticed how my ungoverned venting of emotions affected my husband. Whoa. I know none of you ever do that. When I noticed how my lack of communication and openness affected my friendships. When I noticed how my lack of time management affected my colleagues. When I noticed these things, there was a strong motivation for change. I knew they were wrong, but knowing they were wrong didn't make me change. It was only within community and seeing the effect in the relationships that motivated me to change. And it wasn't only from me to them, but noticing that their, their bad behavior or their, their lack of consideration was affecting me inspired me to have honest and open conversations. And it was in that give and take that my soul began to grow. Yeah. That those damaged places begin to puff out and become full again. There's something so powerful about living in relationship. Here are some really great things that Proverbs tells us happen when we live in godly community. Godly community makes us smarter. As iron sharpens iron, it says, so one man sharpens another. It supports us in tough times. Friends love in all seasons. It challenges us to be better. It says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you just need someone who you know loves you to tell you the truth. And it contextualizes truth or it gives us a roadmap. Our relationships, it says the, the earnest counsel of a friend is like perfume. It, it maps out good living for us. It helps us to contextualize the truth we know in our heads into the way we live. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we awaken friendship. And the last thing we do from Proverbs is that we partner purposefully. Yeah. When I was 20, a particular man wanted to marry me. I said no. It wasn't Andrew. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I said no, not because he wasn't good looking. Not because there was something wrong with the way he looked, because he was, he was pretty good looking. He was a swimmer. Need I say more? <laughs> I didn't say no because he had bad prospects. He he came from a fairly wealthy family. He had a degree. He was, he, was going to, he was going to do good things in life. I said no because his life was not invested in the kingdom. Because I had made a decision that I would only partner with that which with God was partnering with. That I was going to, in my life, I was going to align my life to things where I saw the presence of God, where I saw the values of God, where I saw Him moving. The things that He was investing in, I was going to invest in. And you see, a lot of what really batters us is the decisions we make. 
and where we put our trust and where we invest our time and our energy and the disappointment when those things turn around and prove not to be what we hoped they would be. Yeah. That is our soul. But you see, there is one whose plans will never fail. And it's so important to be investing where God is working. There's a scripture that we read earlier from Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. 2019, I'm sure none of you planned to lose your job. I'm sure none of you planned to be locked down in your house for six weeks on end. I'm sure none of you planned to have your, your income devastated by a global pandemic, to have relationships strained by the stress of what was going on, to have loved ones battle for their lives. No one planned for that, but life happens. And if COVID hadn't happened, something else would, I mean, not on this scale, but, but life happens. Things would have happened, no matter how careful you are with your plans. There is stuff you cannot factor for. There's stuff you cannot know. There is a giant mystery out there about, but that we cannot fully fathom. But here's the thing, there's one whose plans will never change, whose plans will never be thwarted. There's one who is relentless in pursuing his agenda and has the power to back it. And so when we align or invest our lives with his plans, that may not be our plans. We've done the best. We've thought we've factored in everything we know. We've been wise. We've, we've done what we can. But ultimately, our hope has to be in that God is good enough to bring about his purposes, which are not always our purposes. And as we, our, our lives are aligned to his plan and his ultimate good on the earth, when our lives are aligned to that, we will never be disappointed. Here are some, some places I would love you to examine in your own heart about where you have invested. So when we partner purposefully, it's so important to think about the business deals we do. Is God in this? Does this further God's kingdom? Is it something that God is investing in? How about your work opportunities? Is God investing here? Is this, is this something that, that his call on my life is, is pulling me toward? How about serving where you give your time? Am I serving, giving my time and energy towards things that I feel the wind of the Spirit in? Am I investing in friendships that speak back godliness to me? Am I choosing a marriage partner who has invested his life or her life in the kingdom? Yeah. So in conclusion, Proverbs talks about us prospering and reviving our spirits by cultivating joy. We flourish when God's first. 
awakening friendship, you'll do for a relationship what you'll never do for duty. Partnering purposefully, we're investing where God is working. When these, when the life of God, the walls are put back up, the governance of what happens in your mind, what comes in and what goes out, is controlled by his love. And you as a person find the fulfillment and joy that you always meant to. In closing, the Bible in Isaiah 53 tells us that Christ was crushed for our iniquities. And there is a place in which no matter what you have been through, Christ has already been there. He's already experienced every one of those things. And his call to you right now is to say, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, I have, I've experienced it too. I'm not a healer or a savior that saves from a distance. I'm a healer and a, healer and a savior that saves from within. I step into your place of pain and I bring you out with me. And I feel like there are people here that have been battling with, with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment and it's battered your soul. I feel like there are people here who have who've experienced abusive, ungodly relationships that have, that have devastated those walls. There are those of you here who have, have had a, been raised or you've been in an environment where there's been a perpetual message of hopelessness. And as a result, your environment, your joy environment has been stolen from you. And I feel like God right now, Jesus Christ, is stepping into those crushed places and He's saying, I've come to set you free. I've come to set you free. So can we just take a moment? Can we all stand? Can you feel the Spirit of God just beginning to settle on your heart right now? That's His presence just saying, I see you. I've seen the battle. I've seen the long road and I'm here. I'm here to restore your joy. I'm here to awaken your capacity for friendship. I'm here to show you where to partner. I'm here to lead you in wisdom and I'm here to supernaturally heal those places of your heart. My friends, I'm gonna ask all of us to just raise our hands. Lord, would you come? Holy Spirit, I'm so confident. I'm so confident that you can, you can touch those places of devastation. Lord God, there are people here, I specifically see that, that you had, you've had a particular dream just not come to pass over and over and over and over and you just, you God, when? And I hear the Lord saying, my son and daughter, just around the corner, don't give up now, it's right ahead of you. There's some of you that there have just been, just been words that have been sentences and phrases that have been running around your mind that there's no hope, I can't go forward. It's always gonna be like this. I hear the Lord saying no, no. I see Him like standing in front of a river and just stopping the course of that river and pushing it in another direction and, and saying right now I'm speaking to you. I have a future plan for you full of good things. 
For some of you, I hear Him saying, I'm coming to you in unexpected places. Places that you have never imagined joy would come there. I'm coming in that place with my joy. I'm coming in that place with my joy. And for some of you, you just, there's deep regrets about, about decisions you've made and it's left you feeling like, I deserve this difficulty, but I just don't know how to handle it. I hear the Lord saying, I paid the price even for your mistakes. And I will turn even your wrong decisions into delight. I will turn even your wrong decisions into delight. Trust me, walk with me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So Lord, I pray for everyone now and I ask that you would flood their soul with the joy of the Lord. I pray, Lord God, that they would see like you see, Lord God. They would see the magnificence that is around them. I pray they would see those stocks shoot open, those walls shake, those doors open, Lord God. I'm praying for physical manifestations of your presence in their life that would delight their souls. Lord God, I'm asking, Lord God, that you would, you would lift up their countenance that they would see your glory. They would see your love. They would know you. Holy Spirit, come. 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 Lord God, even now I'm asking that you would rearrange their life so that they can fit into community solidly. They can love and be loved well. And Lord God, where there's been partnerships in places they should not have been partnerships, I'm asking that you'd give them the courage to break those. In fact, I just break them right now in Jesus' name. I say no more, no more, no more. Just even partnerships with lies, Lord God, or beliefs that are wrong, Lord God, we just break that in Jesus' name. Let them partner purposefully with your truth. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.